Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on November 14th, 2021, on the basis of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. in a prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grief is grief. Whether you lost someone suddenly or it was an expected loss, grief is grief. It's still difficult. It's still hard to go through and it still may last a while. Grief, a lot of times, isn't something that you, you just get rid of quickly. In fact, you may never fully get over grief, whatever get over grief means. You may always miss the loved one that you lost. It may, may even hurt you when, you when you think about that. And can I say, it's okay. It's okay to, to grieve. In fact, it's a healthy thing to, to grieve. The Bible talks a considerable amount about grief. In fact, there's an entire book of the Bible that is all about grief called Lamentations. Lamentations was a book written by Jeremiah, and he was mourning, grieving the loss of, of something, of someone. It wasn't just one person, though. Jeremiah was grieving the, the loss of an entire city the city of Jerusalem, after it was destroyed and many people killed or brought off to exile, he was lamenting, he was grieving the loss that, that he had, had been a part of, he had, had suffered there. If you have the chance to read Lamentations this week, it's only five chapters long, and, and as you read, you will see the, the great sorrow, the great grief expressed in, in Jeremiah's words. However, you will notice that there is something that distinguishes Jeremiah's grief from any other grief, from what you might call worldly grief. Because found right in the center of Jeremiah, only just a five-chapter book, found right in chapter 3, Jeremiah says things like this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Grief doesn't discriminate. It comes to anyone and everyone. It comes to both believer and unbeliever. But there is a difference in how a believer handles grief versus how an unbeliever handles grief. An unbeliever grieves as if they have no hope. A believer grieves and they're sad, but a believer always has hope. The hope that they'll be with the Lord forever. So, I know we read the first Thessalonians passage already, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 to to 18. Uh, We read that in the second reading, but this morning I want us to readdress that as we walk through it in the sermon, since it's just a, a shorter reading anyways. 
I want us to just start with the first two verses. And so here they are again for you. If you want to follow along, you can go back to the the page in the bulletin here. That would be page 9, the second reading's on there. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So what does uninformed mean? That, that word kind of sticks out to you right, right at the beginning when Paul is, is speaking there. Um, and I suppose the, the word uninformed can probably have a lot of different applications, especially in this context. But, but here's maybe one of them. You could be uninformed about what happens after you, you die. So here's an example. Uh, there are some that believe that when you die, you die. That, that, that's it. You are buried in the ground and, and that's, that's it. Nothing else happens after that. And so I want you to, to imagine that, that if that is your worldview, if, if that's what you think about uh, death and what happens after death, how would that affect the way you grieve the loss of a, of a loved one? Here, here's another example. Some believe that, that when you die, you go to a place called purgatory. It's this, this place supposedly between heaven and, and hell where you go to work off these sins that you've committed throughout your, your lifetime. And if you work enough and for long enough, for enough years, maybe, just maybe, you will make it into to heaven. If that's what you believed, what would that do to the, the comfort, to the certainty that, that you were supposed to feel as you grieve the loss of a, a loved one? There's probably more examples of, of being uninformed in that way, but, but both of those examples destroy certainty. They destroy the comfort that God intends to give to, to people, even in the face of, of death. But there's more ways than just that to be uninformed. Another form of being uninformed would be doubt. And even believers are tempted to doubt the promises of God in the face of of death. They may wonder, is heaven for real? And if it is, am I going there? Did did my loved one go there? Could you imagine how those questions might shake you up in the face of death or or when you lose someone that you you love? Believers also aren't immune to, to being led away by by false teaching that can destroy comfort. False teaching that might say that you need to contribute something to, to your salvation. You need to do something to, to get to heaven. Or false teaching that says that salvation, eternal life, that's found in a source other than, than Jesus. Both of those things completely destroy comfort. They completely destroy certainty because you're always going to be wondering, have I done enough? Have I done enough to, to get to to heaven. Or you're going to be wondering, have I trusted in the right source for salvation? So it really doesn't matter exactly what form of uninformed Paul is, is talking about here because none of them are good and all of them would cause someone to grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. 
But Paul says to the Thessalonians, as he can say to you this morning as well, that's not you. That's not you because you believe, did you catch what he said? Because we believe that Jesus died and rose. Jesus gave up his life so that you could have certainty in yours. And your certainty is found in the fact that Jesus did not stay in the grave. If Jesus would have stayed in the grave, if he wasn't, wouldn't have risen from the dead, then you'd have every right and reason to be uncertain in the face of death. But Jesus did rise. He rose from the dead and he conquered death. A phrase that we say quite a bit, right? You hear in church maybe every other week, maybe even more frequently than that, Jesus conquered death. But what does that mean? Well, maybe first, we need to talk a little bit about, about death. You see, death wasn't a part of God's plan. Death wasn't in the original equation. When God created Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed the, the breath of life into his nostrils, when he created Eve from the, the rib of, of Adam, he created them to be immortal. That means they weren't supposed to die Death was introduced to this world as a result of sin and a punishment for sin. And so Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, they, they died. And so did all of their descendants after them. But God, he wasn't satisfied with that for his people. His people that he created, his people that he nurtured, his people that he loved, he wasn't satisfied with death for you or anybody else. And so he sent Jesus, and Jesus was for us. He wasn't against us, he was for us. He was the perfect life for us. He was the perfect sacrifice for us. And for our purposes today, he was the answer to death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. When we say that Jesus conquered death, here's what we're saying. Jesus has power over physical death. He showed that by, by rising from the dead. He showed that throughout his ministry too, by, by raising Jairus' daughter, by raising Lazarus. He has power over physical death. But it also means, when we say Jesus conquered death, it means that he has taken eternal death off of the table for you. By his death, and by his resurrection, you have been saved from eternal death and eternal punishment. And in its place, you have been given heaven, eternal life. That's why Paul is connecting here Jesus' death and resurrection to what that means for those who have fallen asleep in Christ. You notice he said this, And we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus' death and resurrection also means this. It means that he is going to bring with him those who believe in him. He, he's going to bring you with him one day. So for the believer, death is really nothing more than, than sleep. And Paul intentionally uses that word. He uses the word sleep instead of death. It, it's a word to talk about death because when a believer goes to sleep in, in death, they wake up in eternal life. 
Now, thinking of death that way, doesn't that just bring so much comfort to us as we face the, the reality of our own death someday? But, but even so, when, when we face the, the death of someone that we, we love, that they went to sleep in Christ and they woke up in eternal life, in the joys of, of eternal life. Now, that's not going to get rid of grief altogether. You will still grieve. You'll still feel sad over the loss of, of someone that you loved. And you maybe do right now. You're maybe thinking of somebody right now that you, you lost. And, and that brings grief to, to you. But it will be a distinguished grief. It will be a distinctive grief from the rest of the grief in the world. Because it will be a grief that, that puts its hope in the promises that God has laid out in front of us. And it will put its hope in the fact that those who fall asleep in Jesus will be with him forever. So, the Thessalonians, they knew that. They knew what Paul had told them and taught them when he was there in Thessalonica. And Paul was going to make sure that they did not forget what Jesus' death and what his resurrection meant for their lives. But they still had questions. Just like we have, we have questions too. And one of their questions was, what happens to those people who die before Jesus comes back? What happens if my, my loved one was, is buried in the ground before Jesus returns the, the second time? Are they going to be forgotten? Are they going to be at some sort of disadvantage compared to the people who are still alive on Judgment Day? Maybe it's a question you've had, maybe not. Maybe you're curious about it now that the Thessalonians are asking it. But in this case, God decides to answer that question. He finds it important for us to know the answer to that question here. And so he tells us through Paul, we continue in the reading here, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So Paul makes clear right off the bat that there is no advantage or disadvantage either way. If, if someone died before Jesus came back, they're not going to be at some disadvantage. They're not going to be lost. They're not going to be forgotten by God. But, but he says, here's how it's going to go. First of all, it's going to be loud. And you're going to see Jesus come back just in the same way that he left. When the disciples saw Jesus leave, he ascended from the, from the ground and into the sky until the clouds covered him from view. And in the same way, the Lord will come back with the clouds. But this time, he's going to come with a loud command and a trumpet call. The archangel is going to come with him. We heard about the archangel already in the Old Testament lesson. In Daniel, he talks about Michael. That's the arch, archangel that's going to come back with with Jesus on, on Judgment Day. Nobody is going to, to be left out. Everybody's going to know what, what's happening on that last day. And you see what he says next. At that time, the dead in Christ will rise first. 
they won't be forgotten. That's going to give the Thessalonians comfort because they're thinking about their loved ones who died. What's going to happen to them? That gives us comfort. That although you maybe buried your loved one in the ground, they're not going to stay there. On that last day, Jesus will raise their bodies to life. Now, now their souls have already been experiencing paradise in heaven with Jesus. But now, at this time, in ju- at Judgment Day, their souls will rejoin their bodies and they will enjoy forever in heaven with, with Jesus. And for those who are still alive to see Judgment Day, who, who haven't experienced death, your soul and body are still intact together. And you will meet the Lord in the air. You'll be, you'll be rising to go to be with, with him and you too will be with him forever in heaven. That's the phrase. That's the, the key phrase in this. We will be with the Lord forever. That gives the believer a certain hope even in the face of death because they know that they are going to be with their God forever. Their God who loves them like no one else has loved them before or could possibly love them before. That they're going to be in heaven where you're going to experience more joy than, than you've ever experienced in this life. And that's going to go on, not, not just for a short time, that's going to go on for eternity. And not only that, not only that, you, you will be with the Lord, you will also be with those loved ones who have died in Christ. You get to see them again. But, but this time when you see them, they won't be suffering, they won't be sad, they won't be scared. They will be incredibly joyful, singing praises with you to, to the Lord for eternity. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Remind each other. Remind each other of, of heaven. Remind each other of what God has promised for us, an eternity with, with Jesus. It, it won't erase the grief, and it's not meant to. But it will keep Jesus always in focus. It will keep Jesus' death and resurrection and what that is, has meant for us. It will keep that in focus in our life too. It will distinguish your grief with God's promises, with, with a sense of, of hope. Because both in life and in death, our hope is this. We will be with the Lord forever. Amen.